Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of The Social Relapse, a podcast where we discuss some of the ways in which social media is changing how we think, talk and see ourselves. This episode was recorded in early April, following the tragic mass shootings in Atlanta, which claimed the lives of eight people, six of whom were Asian women. Joining me on the podcast is the wonderfully articulate and knowledgeable Yui, discussing the importance of digital representation for minorities, real-life experiences of anti-Asian violence, and how anti-Asian sentiment is deeply rooted in history and media. For now, here he is discussing the love-hate relationship we all seem to have with social media. And, you know, you care more you become more more vulnerable and you become more uh, <laughs> susceptible to like, you know, these kind of impersonal attacks. Like it's all like, the, you know, like social media, is, it's a big hypocrisy, isn't it? You're giving the public your data when people interact with you, when other people interact in terms of what you share, you get a couple of endorphins and then you become kind of addicted to that. But at the same time, it's a place where it bites you in terms of whatever that you express. So it's kind of like a vicious cycle, yeah. like you're addicted, like heroin, right? It gives you that euphoria, but is this too heavy? Like I can stop anytime because- We have to call it out for what it is. You're completely right. I think we don't want to talk about it, but I would definitely say that social media is a digital intoxicant. You rely on it to give you good feelings, but it makes you so vulnerable. You know, we have the benefit of being able to look back to our young years on social media and that's when it was starting out. but. We have this new generation of users who mm. only have known social media as they grow up. And I think in this day and age as well, where there's just been such a rush to put out content, you know, by any means necessary, you're just so exposed these days. And I mean, I look back on early days of Facebook and think, maybe I shared too many holiday photos. And most <laughs> of my holiday photos don't even have me in it. Whereas I compare myself to this new generation that is literally sharing everything just for a TikTok. And I can't get my head around it. Like, I. No, I don't I'm absolutely with you. Like I, like pretty much all my friends have TikTok. I'm still one of you know, like I'm still hanging on. You know, it's you know, it's a Chinese made app. You know, as I consider myself as like a patriotic person, maybe I should have have that kind of thing. But honestly, I I I don't understand it, and I think it is because we're old. Because you know, like literally the past yeah. two three years, <laughs> if you look now, all the kids you can tell like how old the other person is by literally like you know what social media like in what way they're going to get your contact information so i just yeah. don't get it i think maybe people between this <laughs> this generation i don't know we just kind of lost it you know like we don't we're falling behind and i think the thing i find most infuriating about tiktok videos are when people just <laughs> upload themselves miming if it was like physical mm. miming i would totally vibe with it like that's amazing but it's just them lip syncing and there's just an audio in the background. And I, I'm just watching it thinking, what are you there's, adding to this? There's no value like, here, you know? Face. Yeah. So, well, we've really kind of revealed how old we are, but which is which is never good. But it hasn't all been bad, right? Like, one of the good things is the level of representation because it's been really nice. Just seeing what other people look like. You're able to see so yes. much more about what it means to be a human as opposed to kind of traditional views of what a role model is or what a, you know, someone who's notable that's normally fed to us from, you know, TV or who we see on the news. So I really appreciated that being able to see young people from different walks of life, different cultures mm -hmm. on social media. And I feel like as much as I criticized it just then with TikTok, 
if it wasn't for these platforms that allow people to create content, we wouldn't see them, right? Like we don't always see these people in movies or TV shows. We don't really see their stories. So the generation has benefited mm. from greater levels mm-hmm. of representation. Yeah, like social media. A, like a lot of ground get get you know covered, and then like the voiceless become voiced. But you can also argue that there's so much news out there available now, and people become like picky in terms of the news, which kind of brings our topic back into with like all this resource that's out there. But you know, people themselves like they're selective. You know what's being fed to them. Sooner or later, people will just pick the group that they most identify with or they prefer. Is is that what、yeah. you mean? People becoming picky, but like not taking advantage of all the different perspectives, they become like narrow tunnel vision. This is where like we know like a lot of hate comes from, right? I'm glad, for example, the third topic, like you know, in terms of having a voice for the Asians. But sure, there's the mandate of stop Asian hate, but really, like, what's the context? Like, where did that hate come from? Like, why is it all the Asians? There's there's brown skinned Asians, there's Southeast Asians. I mean, you know, like a quarter of Russia is is Asian. Like, well, what do you What are you trying to like? That's a diverse group of people. We've been leading up to this point, obviously, as a topic of today's episode, which is the shootings that happened in Atlanta. We know that this was another mass shooting that happened. But unlike kind of previous attacks that have happened, what was really alarming about this one was that six of the eight victims were Asian American women. We know that the police were really quick to say that the shooting was not racially motivated, but he was attracted to them, and rather than being like any other normal human being, he. Felt that this attraction was because of them being overly、um, sexual, and I think they mentioned the fact that it was at the spa, whereas、oh. where、um, massages were given. And the reporter said that sometimes the massages were sexual, so that's why he was there. But to come back to it, the fact that the police were very quick to just to say that the shooter wasn't racially motivated seems like riding the conclusion before、mm. the investigation was even done, really rather hastily. But we know that you know anti-Asian violence has increased globally. Um, it's not just within the states. We know in the UK there's been a 300% rise in hate crimes towards Chinese East and Southeast Asians in the first quarter of 2020 compared to previous years. And you know, one of the biggest defining factors of 2020, or at least the first quarter of it, has been the pandemic. And in the words of the UN Secretary General, he's defined this as racism, xenophobia,、mm. scapegoating, and scaremongering as a result of the pandemic. So we see this as being really targeted towards the Asian population.、Um, I mean, first of all, it's deplorable, right? It's it's unimaginable that first of all people attribute feelings of anger either at their current situation with you know economic damage or being stuck in lockdown and not being able to go out and then act on it. Um, but it's not just shootings, right? We've seen racial slurs being used, people being beat up in the streets,、um, and I think what's most shocking for me is that it happens, and very rarely do we see either a very strong public rallying or the perpetrators actually getting caught and like dealt with. Silence. So it's almost like there's this implicit. Yeah, I've given this like very much thought. There are actually many reasons. I can think of two for now, but perhaps as the conversation goes on, we can hit these points. Is number one, I guess, why there's a silence whenever there's like something wrong, you know, or, or something have happened, you know, like with like Asian minorities, like normally happening, like like we're talking about, you know, in Western countries where they're like immigration, okay, like when these kind of hate crimes happen, like I'm I'm talking about like his, historically, okay, very few events will blow up. Number one, because 
again, in my own opinion, um, I think Asians, because there's a lot of diversity and a lot of us have different backgrounds there. So therefore there's a lot of ethnic division. We're not, Asians are not coming together um, at all. You, you can see the difference when, when these type of things happen, you, you can compare it to like when BLM, like, you know, like the community is strong, like, because like Asian communities are not united, number one. And number two, uh, there is a systematic shadowing of these kind of things, right? Like all these things are systematically overlooked. I'm talking about people who are in power. Number three is, I think culturally speaking, you know, I'm just speaking in the context of being Chinese, but I mean, <laughs> China is the most populated, obviously most populated country in Asia. So it wouldn't be wrong to say, okay, maybe, you know, Chinese people hold a significant rep rep representation of the Asian population. Uh, you know, I think also other Asian races as well. Me speaking also as an Asian is, you know, we're, we're kind of more like, you know, welcoming and chill, you know, as long as you don't like, you don't screw with us, like, you know, you're cool and, you know, we're nice and, you, you know, like old cultures, right? You know, like the same with your background as well, you know, like we're both from like very ancient people, people respecting cultures. And, and a lot of the times, like, especially when those, you know, cultures, when they immigrate to, to the West, you know, like just kind of want to keep their head down and then work as hard as I can and, you know, not don't want to be involved, you know, with like these type of issues. I remember like, you know, like um, when my mom first got hit by a car, when we first, you know, like it, it was the first year that we immigrated to Canada. Like, you know, like she's like an English professor, right. You, you know, like um, back in China, but like, you know, when these things happen to her, like when she's looking out for support, she becomes voiceless because she has no idea. Like she, like she doesn't have to know how, and now she works at the Ottawa Chinese Community Service Center as like a psychic language coordinator. So good for her. Um, she's kind of like giving, giving it back. But it's essentially also a systematic like lack of support. In, in one of the course that I'm also teaching right now, one of the students is actually writing a piece on, on the increase of Asian American in terms of mental illness during the time of COVID-19. So, um, you know, we talk about all these like you mentioned racism xenophobia all these things you know like in terms of mental health you know like it's not just the physical violence that that people face and you know perhaps the physical abuse you know being being beat up like right in front of my my res you know like this taiwanese guy that literally just lived next door from my res when i was in london from you know some of my uh, like chinese friends getting uh getting kicked out uh of their place to stay like you know like no reason like like their state just gets terminated and like you know like they get like some sort of like eviction from the landlord and then like overnight they have to find a place to like live and it's like situations like these that are that are that are so baffling and you know um when you mention you know getting the hate towards like asian as a group i feel really bad because there are so many diverse groups and they're getting hate as like a kind of like a combined ethnic group where we know essentially the hate is mm. is towards or you know, a certain nationality, I'm going to say it's probably Chinese because I'm Chinese and I can say that. And, and I'm sorry that like, you know, all these other ethnic groups are getting the same treatment and I feel partially responsible, um, as like a Chinese person. And, and I feel like, you know, like people from other like countries, people with other nationalities shouldn't, shouldn't have, you know, the same level of hate. So I do feel kind of like also bad about this and regret um, uh, sorry, to be matter even worse, I'm from Wuhan. So, you know, you know how that goes. Like I've had probably the worst year. So, 
you know, be, being Chinese, being from Wuhan, and there's just so much I want to say. There's so much I want to get out, you know. But like, I wish I had my own podcast with like, you know, ten thousand listenership, and you know, it's you know, maybe to get some of the positive stuff out there. You know, like it's not about it's um it's tough. It's tough to be a Chinese Wuhanese, and you can take that to the bank in two thousand uh, two thousand twenty. There you go. That's actually a really tragic answer, I think, to that question. I mean, you said so much, and I mean, just remembering something you mentioned at the beginning, how there isn't this、mm. like community amongst different Asian communities. I mean, I actually heard I was listening to BBC World Service, I think, the morning after the shootings, and the presenter had asked that question、um, to the interviewee, and she said that, and I, I hate myself for getting her name, but she said that. It's common among non-white communities actually to band together, and that we've always been victims of some kind of kind of racism or you know just just not treated equally, so that we have strength and solidarity amongst different communities. So it's interesting to hear your take on it, which is that actually there is a lot of diver- division, sorry, between different Asian communities, so that they don't really come together. But again, I'm I feel like that's. Victim blaming. I feel like why should you be responsible for banding together when you're not the perpetrators of this violence? You know that's being carried out against you. And I think also it's really shocking to hear you say that you feel bad、yeah. for other communities. You know, becoming victims of this violence again when it's meant to be when it's meant to be directed towards you because this is horrible. Once again, we are looking at the victim and saying, you know, what have you done to deserve this? As opposed to Finding the perpetrators of this violence, but then also looking at the root of it, which is why are individuals feeling so emboldened at this moment in time to carry out these acts of violence? And you can't have that conversation without mentioning words of the previous president of the United States, calling it the Kung Flu virus or the China virus,、yeah. and and these words have had、yeah. a horrible impact. You know, months later and and almost immediately as well. There's a very human、yeah. consequence at the end of it.、Um, so yeah, I'm really I'm really sorry that you feel responsible because you're not. But you know, like it's it's my personal truth, right? So because. Honestly, like it is, you, you know, I can literally say this, you know, like for the past two years at least. Come on, it's definitely towards like, it's definitely towards Chinese people and on so many different levels, and you know, like other other ethnic groups w- within the larger Asian umbrella just just had to face the same consequence because because we are perceived as a rep. Representation of this whole ethnic group. Like I'm not saying, you know, like、uh, me as you know a Canadian Chinese. Like I should be. I do feel responsible, but am I responsible? You, like, like、um, I feel that you know other ethnic groups shouldn't suffer the same kind of discrimination. That's within you know like the Asia umbrella, but you know it doesn't mean I don't have certain opinion towards like you know like the perpetrator, like you said. Yeah, but but I just kind of feel like you know like there's so many other ethnic groups,、uh, and they don't deserve it. You know, like it's、uh, sorry, not not ethnic groups, other national groups, like you know that that are under the same umbrella that that should not have gotten the same. You know,、um, I'm not sure what are if they actually gave out the information regarding about the specific ethnicity regarding. Regarding about the six people that died, I remember reading it somewhere. There was like a few Koreans. I feel bad because other people didn't have to die because, like, okay, one country hates another. Wait, whoa, like Korea, where like a Japanese person should die because there is a conflict between China and the U.S. Right? Like, no bystander should die because 
there is this disinformation that was fed in the public. I know you're shaking your head, but I'm sorry. I just don't agree with you at all. I'm 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 sorry. I should be a better host, but I can't. I I don't know why you're shouldering it. I don't know. I I don't know why you're saying that. It's like you're it's like you're sacrificing yourself. It's like you're saying you know you're standing in front of someone who's about to get shot. Like if you want to get to her, you have to shoot me first. Like it's it's not necessary. Like we should be we should be targeting the people who do this. Like it's it's not right. Like and it's so it's so bizarre. It's it's how do you get so worked up to the point that you are willing to find any asian looking person on the street and beat them towards an inch of their life like it it doesn't make any sense it's this is horrible violent you know psychologically disturbed behavior we wouldn't accept it against anyone and i'm sorry i'm not going to listen to you say that this should be directed towards you as a way to divert it from other people who yeah. you think it it's you know don't deserve it i it shouldn't be directed to anyone at all when there there's so much socioeconomic reasons behind like why these people would carry out the things that they do like and for me to look into that you know why i'm kind of defining it as <laughs> my people is because i mean the evidence is there like you can't like you can't say no right you know like for sure i'll know i'll be the victim why should i like let someone else you know or who is completely unaware of the situation or have no idea about like whatever that's happening and bring that to the context and let them suffer the same consequences that, that i'm going to suffer which the consequences are you know wrongfully accused or whatever you know okay let's worry about that later on but whatever happened has happened like the suffering is there but why should i let a different group to suffer you know whatever that whatever that i'm going through you know like that's my logic but i completely see where you're coming from but you aren't letting it happen though it's not like you are in the room with someone of a different asian nationality and you're saying you know go for them not go for me you're not in that situation where you're able to defend or you know change mm. the attacker's mind the whole point of this is that these are attacks of ignorance they are just attacking anyone who looks asian and you have to look at the why and i think i mean i'm really interested in the socioeconomic determinants of health like that's something i'm really passionate about but in this situation i personally don't feel like it's relevant just because we know that these people have been motivated by racial hate you cannot deny that that repetition in the early days of the pandemic calling it the kung flu or calling it the wuhan virus or calling it the china virus specifically against mm -hmm. recommendations by who mm -hmm. to call it what it was which is coronavirus 19 or covid 19 mm -hmm. You know, yeah. that was that, that was a very political choice. It was so motivated mm. to fan the flames of hate against Asian communities. I mean, like normally I would totally agree with you. We should really look further. We should get to the root of why people decide to do this. But I think when you mm. have such a big orange reason why people are doing this, you know, we shouldn't be looking further. I think it's it's reprehensible, the choice of wording and the fact that we see it having such tragic consequences in recent terms as well like it's it's disgusting i i think that i think that's i think that's where i draw the line i think that the the people who use those terms are responsible for these acts of violence whether they wish to claim it or not they are responsible for fanning the flames of hate against mm. the asian community and i don't think and a single person in the asian community deserves yeah. it unfortunately like sometimes these hate had to be expressed in an extreme way like when you know it's kind of like a volcano just erupting right so i do want to talk to you though about this thing that i saw um so 
something that I found really powerful. Why can't you love us like you love our food? I think it really speaks to this culture of wow. globalization and entitlement, I feel like to other cultures and just like this lack of appreciation. Like, you know, it's all about what I can take from your culture, but not about what I can give back and how I can appreciate it. I know we've discussed the idea of, you know, social media activism and whether or not using a hashtag even has an impact. It's, it's shocking, right? It's, it's, it's that a lot of people weren't using, but the fact that very few people were talking about hashtag stop Asian hate compared to the numbers we saw for hashtag Black Lives Matter. Like, I think there's a really big disconnect that you can visualize when you use social media that you don't have the same masses coming together in support of the Asian community. So I don't really have a question per se, but I guess if you saw the hashtag stop Asian hate trending and you saw that there was a lot of online traction, does that impact you positively or is it something that doesn't really have an effect on you? Obviously, like the stop Asian hate is kind of like, okay, yeah, I think in the wider perspective, if it's, you know, if it kind of let people understand, let the message get out there, let people know the situation. If it's, you know, for positive, you know, in terms of just get the voices out there, you know, as a popular hashtag, I think it's great, you know, to raise awareness, but it doesn't tell you anything, right? You know, like stop Asian hate, you know, like it, it doesn't give you the context. Why are all these things happening? You know, why are all these controversial, all these hates happening is essentially number one, people don't sit down and listen to each other. And number two is there's loss for context. And, you know, obviously number three, we can talk about, you know, like uh, people being impartial and like often the masses will, will not have an opinion or just have pure ignorance over a certain issue. But Going back to that, uh, like the second point that I was making is, is that have a little more context, but I mean, you can totally understand why this hashtag came into place, right? It's, it's kind of like a quiet, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, okay, enough is enough. Uh, kind of like mm -hmm. BLM, like, you know, perhaps a similar movement, but, but like, you know, like it hasn't been used ever. Right. I think this is like first of its kind, right? Like, you know, at least in my lifetime, but yes, okay. getting it out there, you know, is perhaps intriguing people to look but i feel like only educated people would do so you know perhaps it's a way for for people who have interest or people would want to raise kind of similar awareness to look into the matter and then to give them a voice but again on the other side of the coin is does the movement have meaning do people know historically from the days where people were shipped out of their home and then to build railroads like thousands of miles away into being discriminated, you know, interracial families getting torn apart and then just, you know, getting sent into concentration camps in World War II and then pay like a head tax in the late, between the 19th and 20th century with all the Chinese immigrant workers, you know, uh, and they're not allowed to have the, you know, uh, financial possessions and they were literally working as slaves. It's, there was literally no difference. Like, it's like, okay, you're, you're working for free, but wait a second, on the top of that, uh, you're not allowed to marry, um, uh, to marry, uh, you're going to have to take all your, whatever savings that you still have or possessions away. And then on top of that, you have to pay a head tax. So that's what, or perhaps, you know, like, you know, people in people that have immigrated, you know, all these, uh, you know, tens of thousands of uh, Chinese migrant workers had to endure. And then obviously, and surprisingly, I learned this the other day that, uh, uh, like Asian actors, like specifically like Japanese uh, uh, male actors were, were actually in 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 like early Hollywood. So in early like twentieth uh, century, they were considered as you know very uh, you know popular celebrities and you know like like 
Asian actors were even considered as like exotic, you know, or, or, or some sort of like sex symbol, but then Hollywood deliberately and systematically kind of like started um, having, it's called sexual racism. It's, it's when you take away, it's when kind of like the media or, 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 or like news outlet or, or in like countries where they systematically like kind of like belittle like a race, not just kind of like based on materialistic things or like title or like human rights. It's like, it's also when they take away or belittle or, or kind of like uh, discriminate your sexuality, which is let's, let's be honest. That's like the worst kind of, you know, like <laughs> when it comes to like sexual racism or sexual fetishism, but, um, but like Asian, Asian men, you know, it, exclusively how do you endure that but on the other side if you think about it where asian women is is um mm -hmm. sexualized and all that so um i don't know it's uh i think actually that's a really important one and i think it touches on how we actually started this topic which is this idea of representation because you know growing up we are fed a narrative that comes from the movies that have the big budgets that mm. make it to cinema or the shows that get, you know, made and put on TV. These are all very exclusive clubs that you're not, you weren't always welcome to if you didn't look a certain way. So I think that's one of the boundaries that social media has helped break because you just see so many different people. Whereas, you know, you're very likely to have just seen very traditional families or human beings represented on, you know, television or, or film mm. um so i think it's really important and i think especially the stereotypes the caricatures we've seen of different ethnicities and i think you really hit the nail on the head you have this sexual beratement of asian men whereas you have this overt sexualization of a asian women um and it's disgusting i mean it's one of the motivations um behind the attack that yeah. happened in atlanta the shooting yeah. um and it just shows that this is something that's kind of been drip fed into the culture over decades exactly to the yeah. point where unless you really stand back and see it for what yeah. it is you won't know you'll just assume it's yeah. normal it's always been like this i mean in terms of like physical attributes i i don't think you know future generations shouldn't be uh you know discouraged because you know oh asian men are more likely to be swiped left you know i think there's like some stat that they that they did on either you know tinder or bumble like uh, something like that. And then on average in the US, an Asian man can earn on an average 250,000 higher than a Caucasian male or something. I just got like, like I was just reading this today. Like I saw a video of like, like a professor in California giving away like a lecture on, um, I think it's like psychology or sociology. And then he did like a, so he literally did a social experiment. He, he like, stood up like a kind of like Asian guy in, in like this class. And then there was like uh, a few um, Asian American uh, females. So like girls that were born in the States uh, or, or was like um, adoptee, I guess. Um, and then they, they kind of took a glance at the guy and then like they said what they said. And then it was so sad because like in the end, like the Asian guy was like, Oh, that's just how the, how the society is after the, the professor told like him, oh, you actually need to on average earn 250,000 USD more than like this other person, like Jason, like he points out a white guy over there. This is just um, stats. And in the end, yeah, well, it kind of, actually now I kind of understand where you're coming from, where you said like, you know, I have that like victim psychology because, because I felt pity 
for that guy even like you know when when that asian guy just looks down and said um well that's how society is and then that hit me so hard i was like the, yeah like it, it's there's nothing there's there's nothing you could beat that and and the perception for like asian women you know the whole context of asian fever i'm not sure if this is a popular term in the uk but um you know that term came from discrimination it came from uh misogynist uh, uh you know like means it you know like came from war right Be because like all you know like all these asian countries were ravaged by like western uh, uh imperialistic uh or, or like nazism right or you know and like when these women become vulnerable like you know like uh, you know it, it's like taking advantage right you know it, it, like it's that perception of asian women tend to be you know tend to themselves you know they're like they're like shy they're they're like you know in somewhat to somewhat extent weak and then needs helped or rescued by by like you know uh, Western men, like something like that, you know, um, mm. let's not talk about the upbringing, you know, in, in terms of Hollywood and, and Disney, that's a whole nother story. Okay. Like that's, that's just, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think so much of what you said is just so true. I think we are, we just, we just grow up thinking that this is, this is the culture either you fit in or you don't. Um, and I think that's something mm. that's so nice these days is to mm. see like, you know, shows on Netflix that have such a diverse cast or tell a diverse story. Um, and I know, I know probably people these days are getting bored of the terms diversity and inclusion. Like they see them as like these mandatory words that are peddled out because of a company's corporate statement. But I know from my perspective, like if I'm looking at a job, looking for a job and I'm looking at a prospective employer's website, if I don't see myself on the employees profiles i don't see myself working there like if i can't see being welcomed into that environment because they all look the same and no one really looks diverse or you know a, 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 a culture that's not traditional to that environment then i don't think that i would be made welcome in that organization so i think challenging um i think challenging the boundaries of kind of ethnic diversity is really important not just within employing uh, employers but also the shows you watch the films you watch and these just challenge the stereotypes that have been fed to us for years right like they're harmful and, and they lead mm. very realistically to the loss of life as we've witnessed in atlanta it there's very serious human tragic consequences that was beautiful like it's true like when you sum things up i'm just like i could not have done it better <laughs> like you know in terms of <laughs> so this has been a super insightful and informative podcast right we have discussed the very real issue of representation online and the importance of challenging harmful stereotypes and the human consequence they can have but none of this would have been possible if it wasn't for my very educated and informed guest so thank you so much for being on the show it has been amazing to have you on wow <laughs> thanks for hyping me up this is more quotation marks you know you radicalizing you like that kind of episode so i'm 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 really glad that you know we made this happen and um i'm glad that you that you think my personal opinion as valuable um it's really as not but i really appreciate you and um your time
If you've enjoyed listening to our episodes, don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast from. That way you won't miss a new episode. We've got some exciting content to be released this month. So sit back, spread the word, and we'll see you next time on The Social Relapse.